from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey guys, the show's currently on break until the new year, but we've got plenty of classic episodes to tide you over. Enjoy this trip through the show's own history, and I'll see you back here on January 2nd with a batch of brand new episodes. See you in the new year. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's December 5th. The Mary Celeste was found adrift on this day in 1872 with no one aboard. And it was 400 miles or so east of the Azores. That's off the coast of Portugal. The Mary Celeste had departed from New York City on November 7th. Captain Benjamin Spooner Briggs was in command and his wife Sarah and young daughter were on board the vessel as well along with the crew. By December 5th, when the derelict vessel was found, it should have already arrived in its destination of Genoa, Italy. But instead, there it was adrift. One of its lifeboats was missing. The last log entry was dated November 25th. And inside, there was water in the bottom of the boat, about three and a half feet or a little more than a meter deep. One of the pumps that would have been used to remove this water was disassembled. But otherwise... Everything seemed pretty normal. The cargo and the stores seemed to be undamaged, more or less. There was plenty of food and water on board, at least six months' worth. And there was really no other clue what might have happened, what might have prompted the people on board to have abandoned ship. It was an experienced captain and crew. Nothing seemed that dangerous to prompt people to get into a lifeboat rather than staying aboard the ship. The ship that spotted the Mary Celeste was the Dei Gratia, and they sailed the Mary Celeste to Gibraltar. Normally, this would have been a simple matter of just working out the salvage rights once they got there. But the attorney general thought something seemed suspicious about all of this, and that led to a whole investigation into whether there had been some kind of foul play involved. 
Although that investigation didn't uncover any evidence of foul play, the crew of the De Gratia didn't get nearly as much money out of their whole salvage effort as they normally would have. So it seems as though maybe they still had some suspicion about them. The Mary Celeste, though, was fixed up and rechristened and put back into service where it had a relatively normal several years until it was run aground on purpose with its captain trying to commit some insurance fraud. This whole thing, though, was very mysterious. And because it's so mysterious, there's just been a lot of speculation about what happened. Some of it is very far-fetched, like sea monsters. Maybe sea monsters ate everyone. That didn't happen. A little more probable, perhaps there was a mutiny, perhaps it was pirates or some other kind of attack. The cargo aboard was industrial alcohol, and so there's been a lot of speculation that maybe something caused fumes from the cargo to ignite, causing an explosion that was frightening enough that it caused everyone to flee. That one was discounted for a long time because there weren't any burn marks to suggest that an explosion had happened. But some more recent experiments have suggested that it is possible that there could have been an explosion that didn't catch anything alight. It's also possible that the crew became disoriented at sea and that that, combined with the faulty pump, led them to believe that they had a better chance of survival in the lifeboat than in the ship Regardless of exactly what happened, though, the Mary Celeste has become one of history's most famous ghost ships. You can learn more about this in the June 24th, 2013 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class. Thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on the show. You can subscribe to This Day in History Class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts, including the iHeartRadio app. You can tune in tomorrow for another maritime tale, although this one is a lot more tragic than mysterious. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hi, everyone. I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class 
a podcast where we rip out a page from the history books every day. The day was December 5th, 1952. A dense layer of fog descended on London and covered the city for five days. The fog ended up killing thousands of people in what was the worst air pollution disaster in the United Kingdom. It was a particularly chilly time in the misty city of London since an anticyclone had caused cold, stagnant air to become trapped below warm air. Though factories had been moving out of the city and smog was not an issue as frequently as it once was, businesses and households still used a lot of coal. Fog mixed with sulfur dioxide and smoke that came from smokestacks, chimneys, and vehicles. Since smog and anticyclones happened relatively frequently in London, residents did not think much of the polluted fog. But the temperature inversion made it so that the smog could not rise, trapping it near the ground. And there was no wind to carry the smog away from the city. The smog began to get thicker, and it smelled of sulfur. It limited visibility to the point that people couldn't see their own feet. Because drivers were unable to navigate, transportation was brought to a halt. The London Underground could still operate, but boat traffic, flights, and trains could not. Emergency vehicles had difficulty getting through the city streets, leaving many people to walk to get help and crime rates to rise. Children stayed home from school and sporting events were canceled. Because the smog made its way into buildings, indoor events like plays and concerts were also canceled. The smog lifted on December 9th when wind carried the smog away from the city into the North Sea. But the smog had been lethal, As people inhaled the toxic smog, they died of bronchitis and pneumonia. The elderly, children, and people who already had respiratory issues were particularly at risk of complications or death due to the smog. Many people choked to death or died of heart failure as they struggled to breathe. Animals died or became ill because of the smog. Around 4,000 people died in the immediate aftermath of the incident. But in the months after the smog, the death rate remained high as thousands more people than normal died because of the smog's effects. An estimated 12,000 people died due to the toxic smog. The devastation that the fog caused made clear the impact of air pollution. Still, government officials did not treat the issue with urgency. Some thought legislating cleaner air was unnecessary and alarmist. Some were worried about how expensive it would be to implement cleaner fuels. And some denied that smog caused the high death rate. It took an investigative committee to push the government to act. In 1956, the British government passed the Clean Air Act, which restricted the burning of coal in urban areas and authorized the establishment of smoke-free areas. Homeowners were also offered grants that would allow them to switch from coal heating systems to alternative systems that used oil, natural gas, or electricity. Even though smog caused more disasters in the following years, air pollution in London eventually improved as people converted from coal, and the Great Smog of London increased public awareness of pollution-related issues. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can find us on social media at TDIHC Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also shoot us an email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow with another one. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that proves history waits for no one. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're looking at the mysterious circumstances surrounding the death of one of the world's most gifted musicians, Wolfgang Rachmiamadeus Mozart. The day was December 5th, 1791. Austrian composer Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart died in Vienna at the age of 35. He had been in relatively good health until mid-November that year, when he suddenly became seriously ill and died just two weeks later. The true cause of Mozart's death has been the subject of debate for over 200 years, and a wide range of theories have been proposed, some more plausible than others. Mozart was born in Salzburg, Austria, on January 27, 1756. His father, a composer and music teacher at Salzburg Cathedral, instilled a love of music in Wolfgang and his older sister at an early age. They were both taught to play a stringed instrument called the clavier, and by the time he was four years old, Mozart could learn a new song on the instrument in just half an hour. Two years later, the child prodigy started performing his own concerts. At age eight, he published his first piece of music, an original violin sonata written in five parts. He penned his first opera three years later, and by age 13, he was a touring composer, celebrated throughout Western Europe and beyond. In 1781, Mozart moved to Vienna, 
and quickly became a fixture of the city's elite social scene. He spent his evenings at masked balls and operas, where he hobnobbed with the wealthy and showed off his latest compositions. A year after moving to the city, Mozart married a local soprano singer named Constance Weber, and in 1783, they had their first child, a boy named Raymond Leopold. Meanwhile, Mozart tried his hand at more and more forms of music. He wrote symphonies and concertos, chamber music, piano sonatas, masses, operas, choral music, you name it. In Vienna, the composer had fallen in love, started a family, and grown as an artist. In other words, life was good. In the coming years, however, Mozart's reputation would continue to grow, but his family would struggle financially. By the summer of 1791, he and Constance had six children together. Mozart worried constantly about how to provide for his still-expanding family, and that anxiety began to affect his health. He had suffered from rheumatism since childhood, and the condition was worsening. The money worries didn't help. Then, on November 20th, 1791, Mozart suddenly developed a high fever. His hands and feet were severely swollen, and in the following days, he became so racked with pain that he couldn't even turn over in bed. On the eve of his death, Mozart lost consciousness after a doctor drew his blood. Hours later, at 1 a.m. on December 5th, the acclaimed composer died unexpectedly, though what exactly took his life remained an open question. The coroner reported the cause of death as, quote, severe miliary fever, while Vienna's official death register claimed he had died of, quote, fever and rash. Even at the time, these were understood to be symptoms of disease, not actual diseases themselves. The vague nature of the reports led to myths about what had really caused Mozart's premature death. Maybe it was lead poisoning, or intestinal parasites. Maybe he was assassinated by his fellow Freemasons, or maybe it was syphilis. There was no shortage of speculation, but the most popular rumor by far was that Mozart had been intentionally poisoned by Antonio Salieri, a prolific opera composer and something of a rival to Mozart. The theory is somewhat supported by the fact that Mozart himself suggested that his illness was due to being poisoned over a long period of time. However, he only raised that concern during his bout with depression, at a time when his health was deteriorating and he was prone to fits of delusion and paranoia. In the 18th century, the poisoning theory was dismissed as baseless gossip, partly because Salieri had no motive and stood to gain nothing from Mozart's death. Still, the rumor persists even today, largely because of the 1979 play Amadeus and its Oscar-winning film adaptation, both of which depict Salieri plotting to murder Mozart. Many viewers have mistakenly assumed that Amadeus was a straight adaptation of confirmed history, but the truth is there's no record of animosity between the two composers. In reality, Mozart's early death was likely caused by something much more mundane. The current working theory 
is that the composer died of a streptococcal infection that eventually resulted in kidney failure. In 2009, a team of Dutch researchers studied the death records in Vienna in the months before and after Mozart's death. They compared the causes of death in those months with those of the previous and following years. The study showed there had been an increase in swelling-related deaths among the young men of Vienna in 1791 compared to the surrounding years. According to the study's author, Dr. Richard Ziegers, quote, We saw that at the time of Mozart's death, there was a minor epidemic in deaths involving swelling, which also happened to be the hallmark of Mozart's final disease. In fact, Mozart's other symptoms, back pain, fever, rash, and depression, are also symptoms of kidney disease induced by a strep infection, possibly strep throat. It's not a definitive answer, but it's the most likely theory so far, and the surviving evidence does back it up. He may have died young, but Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart certainly made the most of his time on Earth. He wrote more than 600 pieces of music, redefined multiple genres, and influenced the work of contemporary composers such as Beethoven and Tchaikovsky. In these ways, Mozart has lived far beyond his early death, for as he once wrote, this world of music, whose borders even now I have scarcely entered, is a reality, is immortal. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have a Mozart conspiracy theory of your own, please send it my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Together, we can blow this whole thing wide open. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.